welcome to the Life Church podcast. We are here to help people experience a life-changing relationship with Jesus. We hope you were blessed with this message from our lead pastor, Zion Douglas, recorded live from Palmerston North, New Zealand. Enjoy. Hey, today we are finishing off part three of our, our series of All Things New. And it's just been a thing that really God's just downloaded into my spirit over the last few weeks as I've been thinking about what all that's been happening in the world. And so I just really want us to capture the, the fact that our God is a God that makes all things new. That we are new, come on, can I get an amen? We are new creations in Christ. The old is gone, the new is come, and now we can stand in victory. Amen, amen. Does anybody believe that this morning? I'm not gonna accept anything less than an eight out of 10. And for you at home, a nine out of 10 is the minimum that I want from you in terms of your response. The way that you respond will make me speak better. But this morning, I wanna speak to, uh, speak specifically to everyone who has been leaning in for the last two weeks. And I want to speak to those that even though you've been listening to the words, you still feel a sense of disappointment. Like we've been, we've been, we've been, we've been talking about all of these things, about how God makes all things new. But even though we've been focusing on it, it seems that the troubles of the world still remain. And the fact is the last few few months really are going to be, in a lot of ways, defined by loss. There have been people all over the world that have lost their lives. That is the most tragic thing that has, ever, that, that, that has come from this. The fact that people have lost their lives. There are people that have lost jobs. Even people that call life church their home have lost their jobs. And it's a tragic thing to go through. There are people who uh, this whole the lockdown and everything to do with it has put a strain on marriages. We're, we're praying that marriages will be restored in Jesus' name. Amen. We believe in strong marriages. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. We believe in strong marriages. We believe, believe in godly marriages. We're also people that have really the, the inability, us as a church, we have the inability to gather as, once we, as, as we once did. We're believing for that to come very soon. But as for now, we're doing what we can with what we have. Even people overseas and even here in New Zealand have been feeling the loss of justice at this time. Also, people have been feeling the loss of opportunity and security. But above all of that, there are people that still hold on to a loss of hope for the future, a loss of hope. But we don't have to live with a loss of hope. We don't have to live held down, weighed down, brought down, shackled to the ground by any feeling of a loss of hope because when we have Jesus, there is always a hope for our future. Can I get an amen? It's so important for us, for all to reclaim what is rightfully ours in Jesus. We spoke about the first week about how we need to get our God dream back. We don't just need a good idea. We don't just need a good thought or a, a new way of doing things. We need to get our God dream back. We need to realize that every single one of us has had a, a dream planted within us, a seed that's been planted within us for it to produce something that glorifies God and makes a difference in our world. We have a God dream. Everybody needs a God dream. If you don't have a God dream, can I encourage you? 
can I encourage you, get into His presence. Surround yourself with people that are dreamers and write it down, make it plain. As Habakkuk 2 says, write the vision down, make it plain, put it in front of your eyes so you know what you're living for in the future, what you're called to, what God wants for you. Last week we spoke about our thoughts, about how our thoughts belong to Jesus. Anybody ever struggle with their thoughts? Anybody, any, come, come on, I've got three, four, five, six, seven, twelve, twenty, thirty, forty people that have been honest this morning. Everybody will struggle with thoughts. And if you struggle with your thoughts, it's not because there's anything wrong with you, it's just because you're human. And, I, and our emotions and, and, and the, the, the things that we have, you know, the, the way that we are designed is to be people that, yes, we do are meant to be happy, sad. Those are all healthy things. But the problem comes is when what has happened in the past lingers on into what we're carrying today. And so we need to make sure that the thoughts that we have aren't defined by the past or our present or even by by the fears that are happening in the future. Our, Our thoughts, our minds belong to Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's put our thoughts where they rightfully belong. Let's not give the enemy any room to move in our thought life. They belong to Jesus. Our thoughts belong to Jesus. Come on, how about you just say that to yourself? My thoughts belong to Jesus. 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 Just declare that over yourself. Your thoughts don't belong to anybody else except for your Saviour. Amen, amen, amen. How about you turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be wrapping up our last part, third part of our series. So excited to bring this to you. It's a simple message, but I believe it's a good message that so many people need to hear today. Amen. Colossians chapter 3, reading from verse 1 to 11, it says this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ. What a great name new life is. Someone should should start a church called New Life. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. When Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. We spoke about that a little bit last week. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is, your, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all His glory. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Amen. Anybody got a word? That's a word for anybody right there? I was asked yesterday when I was playing football, uh, why, do I don't, why do I don't swear where I'm playing football? And the really only thing that I could respond with, apart from what I know about what the Bible says about it, is because I've got a big enough vocabulary that I can use some adjectives that go beyond just some four-letter words. Amen. I mean, prove your intelligence by using a few more words in the dictionary. In Jesus' name. Number nine, verse nine, don't lie to each other for you have, you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Stripped off. It, is, it has been stripped off you. And verse, verse 10 is the, is the verse that I want us to catch today. Put on your new nature. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. 
Let me say that again. And be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. Let me pray. Jesus, we need You. Jesus, we love You. Jesus, we need we need you to guide us and shape us and mold us to become more like you. We can't do this all on our own. Help us today. Help us tomorrow. Help us next week, next month, next year, and for the rest of our days. We commit it into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 To the person next to you and say, I'm becoming who I need to be. I'm becoming who I need to be. I don't know, man, the kids are going crazy next door. <laughs> I, 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 told, I told Larissa, our Life Kids coordinator, that her job is to, uh, is to get the kids so passionate and riled up for Jesus that it disrupts everything that's happening in the auditorium. I said that to her last Sunday night, and she's already, they're doing it, all right? So uh, we'll have a refresh on, uh, amen, amen. I don't know about you, but have you got a person in your life that changes everything about you the more that you spend time with them? I, I, I don't know if you've got someone like this in your life. I've I got a few people, people like this in my life, but, and, and that, that's some of my favorite people because, I mean, uh, some people would say that I've got a fairly strong personality and that I kind of put myself forward a little bit. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a humble, sit in the corner, let Jesus take over. He gets all the glory, you know. Okay, cool. You don't, you don't believe. Uh, but, but there are some people certainly in my life that just kind of shape the atmosphere that they're in. I don't know if you've ever met somebody like that or have somebody like that in your life or maybe you're sitting next to that person that when they walk into the room, everything about the room changes. When they walk into the room, it seems like all the attention kind of goes towards them. When they're sitting around a dinner table, when you're having a meal or something like that, it seems like all the conversation seems to be stirred by the, uh, driven or, or uh, stirred, what's the right word? Steered, that's the one. <laughs> Adjectives, eh? Uh, steered in the, in, in the way that they want to go. And it's not because they're, they're famous or it's not because, you know, they're necessarily more intelligent than anybody else or, you know, or anything like that. It's just something about them that just makes them somebody who carries influence to change wherever they are. And I've got somebody like that in my life, and, and uh, myself and Sophie were with them for a few weeks last year while we were over in Japan, and uh, this is an amazing guy and his wife, we spent a few days with them, and it was absolutely awesome, I absolutely loved it, and it was great. But then a couple of days after this, Sophie turned to me and she said, Zion, can you please stop laughing like Lewis? Can you, can you please just laugh normally? I was like, hey, girl, like this is who I am. You're mocking my laugh, but then I laughed a little bit after that, and I realized that my laugh had gone from ha 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 ha, you know, like a normal laugh. It's a bit creepy though. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, my laugh has changed. That has changed. I was like, oh my goodness, do, do I do I laugh? Do I really laugh like him like this when I spend more time around him? And, and she said, everything about you is more like him. The more you are with him. I was like, wow, that's, that's incredible. I don't know if you've got anybody like that in your life. In the movie Cinderella, which I'm sure everybody in this room has seen, the 2015 version, anybody seen that? Amen. There's a few guys that put their hands up proudly. That's awesome. Here you go. You rock that. 
But in this movie, Cinderella walks in towards the end of the movie and she's wearing her big ball get gown. I don't even know what you call it. It's a thing. It's, it's material that she's wearing. And uh, she walks in, in this, into this big ballroom and she's, she's one of the last ones there. So everybody's there and everybody's looking and kind of, you know, kind of mingling and everything like that. But then she walks in and everything about the room changes. Everything changes because she walks into the room and everybody's focus goes towards Cinderella. Everybody looks at her and then she's coming down the steps and everybody can't take the eyes off her. And she walks down and then she comes towards Prince Charming and then it gets to the point that even the king says, who is that person? Who is that person? I don't know about you, but there's just some time, there's some people that have that weight about them, that they change everything when they walk into the room. In Matthew 9 verse 9, Jesus is recruiting his disciples. And in, verse, and in verse 9 it says, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And interestingly enough, it says, And Matthew got up and followed him. There was something about Jesus. There was something so much about Jesus that Matthew, all of a sudden, with only a few words being asked of him, picked up, where he was, got up from where he was, left everything behind, left his, left his livelihood behind. I'm sure left his friends behind. I'm sure left his, left his way of doing life. He left it all behind to follow Jesus because there was just something about him. In the previous chapter, in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is in a boat sleeping. And Jesus is in this boat sleeping and the disciples are doing their thing on the boat. But all of a sudden, a storm comes out of nowhere and waves start crashing onto the boat. The disciples start to panic and don't know what to do. So they go to Jesus and wake him up. Then Jesus gets up and commands the, the waves to be still, to be silent. And instantly, it, it, the, the waves are still and silent. Then it says in verse 27, the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And I think there are a lot of things and a lot of people that hold a lot of weight in our lives but I know for sure that above everybody else, above everything else, Jesus needs to hold the most weight when he walks into our lives. The amazing thing is that he can be a good person for, to us. He can be a good person with some good ideas, good ideas on how to live, good ideas on how to treat others properly. Or he can be our savior and the one that we need in our lives. I wonder how you see Jesus this morning, and I wonder how much weight he carries in your life. C.S. Lewis, Lewis famously said this, you cannot just call Jesus a good moral teacher. You can't, just, you can't just limit Jesus at just being a good moral teacher. Either he is a liar, in which case you ignore him, or he is a madman, in which case you must rebuke him. Or he is who he says he is. Can I get an amen? Either he is a madman or a liar, or he is who he says he is. He is our Lord and our Savior. And if Jesus was just a good man with just some good ideas, that would really make it easy for him to be, for, 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 for us to live our lives, or for, for, for him to fit around who we are. I got there. For Jesus to be able to fit around who we are. I mean, it would be an easy way to live. 
It would be an easy way to live is if it was all the weight that Jesus held in our lives. It would be easy if Jesus was just a good teacher, a good person, someone, someone with just some good ideas that lived a few thousand years ago. And if he is that way, then it really would determine a lot of things about us. It would mean we can just go to him when we need some good advice, like a, you know, a good mentor. It would mean that we could take parts of his word and the ones that make us feel good and we can kind of leave everything else out that doesn't really make us feel good and is really, really a bit too hard to handle. It would mean that being in church once every often isn't, isn't, that, isn't that bad of an idea. It's not a bad idea just to turn up to church a couple of times a year and kind of, kind of just float in, float out. It doesn't really matter. Even when it comes to serving in the body of Christ, it, 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 it turns serving each other, serving our brothers and sisters in just a good idea instead of a command. But most of all, if we really believe that Jesus is who he says he is, everything about me would have to change to become more like him. If Jesus is who he says he is, then everything about who I am is designed to become more like who he is. In 1 John 2, 5, 6, in the Passion it says, we can be sure that, we're truly, that we have truly come to live in intimacy with God not just by saying, I am intimate with God, but by walking in the footsteps of Jesus. A lot of us want to be intimate with God. A lot of us want to really be close to Him. A, 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 a lot of us really want to be Christians that don't just go through the motions and come to church and lift our hands, but really nothing about us changes. A lot of us want to be people that make a difference to the, in the people around us. But we stop short of following where he is leading us and following his example to be more like him. We've got to know our lives aren't just to achieve. Our lives weren't designed just to gain. Our lives weren't designed just to sleep, eat, go study for a few years, struggle through life, work, 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 retire and then die. That is not the fulfillment of what life has to offer. And if, all, and if that is all you are living for, I want you to know that there is a God in heaven that loves you. There is a Savior that wants to meet you and wants to set you apart to live a life that has meaning. Amen. Who we are is intended to become more like Him. And I, what I want to encourage you with this morning is that if you don't feel like you're all the way there, if you don't feel like you have it all together, if it feels like being like Jesus is something that is so far off in the distance, in the distance that like you just can't even comprehend living that way or being that sort of person or even changing yourself from the inside out to become more like Him, I want to encourage you with the simple, the simple fact. We are still becoming who we are meant to be. I'd love you to write that down, if that's all you write down this morning. We are still becoming who we are meant to be. We are still becoming who we are meant to be. When life doesn't seem like it has a clear way forward, when what we are going through right now seems too difficult to handle, when the things within me seems to, be, seems to be screaming out and influencing everything about me, I can take courage in the fact that even though I'm not where I want to be, I am still on the journey to becoming more like Him day by day. 
And let me say, it doesn't just happen in a moment. It's not something that we kind of give our lives to Jesus and everything becomes exactly as we want it to be. Anybody that knows Jesus more than one day knows it to be a fact. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 13 years old. Everything was better. Everything was amazing. Like just everything about life just seemed to just, I, I, I just, just, it was incredible. I'd been through kids' church and I'm so thankful for, for kids' church and everything that it has to offer. I'm so thankful for all those days learning about things, but really, when it really hit me at 13 years old, when I accepted Jesus truthfully into my life, everything changed in that moment. It was like passion and purpose were instilled inside of me. It was like I could see everything, everything as it was meant to be. I, I, I was dreaming again. I could see what God had for me in my future. I was so grateful that His kindness would come upon me and that His grace would save someone like me. But then the next day, oh no, <laughs> everything that I was, everything that I struggled with seems to kind of not just disappear all in one moment. I want to encourage you. We are all on a journey. We're all becoming more like him day by day by day. We can make a decision in a moment to make our thoughts renewed in Christ. Like we talked about last week. We can receive our God dream again for what he has for our future. But it is in the day by day by day by day that the most important thing is being made new. And that is leaving the old behind and becoming who I am meant to be in Jesus. Let me tell you that his mercies are new every morning. Every morning his mercies are new. Growing up. Uh, my, my family didn't really sit around the table to have dinner. It's not that it wasn't something that we wanted to do. It's just that when you've got a family of 10, it's not a very inconvenient thing to do. And also because we really, all, all us kids really wanted to watch a particular TV program that I won't talk about in this service right here, especially not online because I'll get a few emails during the week saying how it is evil. Anyway, uh, it probably is to be honest, but who knows? I was a kid. Blame my parents. Um, but more than that, more than just wanting to watch a TV program. Oh, amen. We should be down the back. We had 10 kids. Oh, 10, 10 of us. 10, my, my parents and, and us. And it was, very, it, was, it, was, it was very abnormal for us to be able to meet together. I remember this one time that we did come together to have, to have dinner. It was amazing. It was a big thing because it was like Christmas. But it wasn't Christmas. It was in the middle of winter. But it was a major thing for us to be sitting around. It was like an announcement was going to be made. But nothing actually was announced. It was just mum really wanted to bring us all together. And so having dinner all together, you can imagine, you know, mum and dad and all eight kids. And you can imagine, you know, in a house that didn't have enough seats for everybody to actually sit on. So kind of, you know, a couple of kids were sharing seats and all that sort of thing. But then out of the blue... It got a little bit silent, and then my dad spoke up, and he said this to all of us. What you achieve in life, is, he said something similar to this. It wasn't, I, I didn't quote it and write it down. Okay. What you achieve in life or do as a job in the future will never be what is the most important thing for me. All I care about is that you know Jesus and spend eternity with him. And that has stuck with me for years and years and years. This is going back a number of years. And it's stuck with me forever to fully understand what is most important about life. That at the end of my days, I don't want just all my achievements 
and the things that I did and the titles that I had and, 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 and all the rest that comes with life. I, I don't want that. I don't, I don't want that to be, the, to be the fulfillment of my life. My dad on his gravestone, I, I believe it just says, a follower of Christ. And I love that because that is, at the end of your days, that is really all that matters. Not what you achieve, not what you do, not how many vacations you take or anything like that. It is becoming more like Jesus. It's a process that he's inviting us to. It's a journey that he wants us to partake in. And it's our decision whether we accept it or whether we continue to live as we, as we always do. And day by day, every opportunity we have is a decision whether we become more like him or we settle with who we are right now. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says, the steadfast love of God the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Like I said before, they are new every morning. The New Living Translation says it like this, fresh as, the, fresh as the morning, as sure as the sunrise. As fresh as the morning, as sure as as the sunrise. That is what he does in us every day. We have an opportunity to become renewed in him. The more you are like Jesus, the more you change, the, different, the, 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 the more different we are called to become. And that is why the number one cultural value of, of, of life church, we spoke about it at the beginning of the year, is that Jesus is our pursuit. Not because we will ever attain perfection, not because we'll we will be everything that we want to be, but because our lives are alive, uh, our lives are ones that are just meant to be following him each and every single day. Until our last breath, we will still be pursuing and following Jesus. Amen. That's why it says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So I want to leave us with five things this morning. What Jesus is calling us to be, renewing us day by day to be in him. The first thing, the first one is obedient. Jesus was completely obedient to his father and father's will. When he was on the cross, he knew, before he was on the cross in the garden of Gethsemane, he knew what he was going to. He said, not my will, but yours be done. Philippians 2 says, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross, Jesus' life was a life that was full of obedience to his Father. In John 14 and 15, Jesus says to us, If you want to be my friend, and if you love me, keep my commands. I wonder what he is calling you to be obedient in. I wonder what he is just asking you to do. I wonder what Holy Spirit has been whispering to you about lately. And I wonder what that is, because the more you are obedient to his call, the louder his call will be. The more disobedient you become, the less and less you'll be able to hear what he's saying to you. Let's be people who are obedient to what he is saying us to do. Whatever it may be, don't be, don't be fearful of the future. Don't be intimidated with what is happening right now. Be obedient to his call. There is always going to be a struggle. 
There is always going to be a struggle between what he wants and what we feel like we want to do. Be obedient to his call. These both be people. Each and every single day, we're renewing who we are. We're renewing our lives. We're renewing ourselves in Jesus by being obedient to him. And that's a decision we get to make every day. The second thing, the second way that we're renewing ourselves in Jesus is by becoming compassionate. Compassionate. We need, we need a church that is compassionate. We need a church, we need a people that see beyond just themselves. See beyond just their own issues, their own troubles, their own things that are going on. Yes, what you are facing is, is, is very important. Yes, the, the things that you're struggling with, yes, they may seem overwhelming, but let's be people that see beyond ourselves, beyond who we are, beyond where we are. Jesus was moved by compassion to feed the 5,000, Matthew 14. He was moved by compassion. Jesus was moved by compassion when he and his disciples were leaving Jericho and the, the blind man said, uh, two blind men said, have, have, have mercy on us. And Jesus, filled with compassion, went and healed them. He, he was on his way to do something else, but he was, he was so compassionate for them that he couldn't help but help them. Compassion will move you to see others the way that he does. And the word compassion is, comes from the, the Latin word compati. Compati? Party? Somebody can correct me on that later on. Amen. Which means to suffer with. To suffer with. Let's be people that don't just, not suffering with like we just sit there and, 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 and cry and remain in that place. But we are people that carry each other's burdens. We, 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 we link our shoulders. We link our arms together. We move forward. We don't just walk by what is happening in this world without, without it stirring our heart. Someone else's suffering becomes my own. Someone else's heartbreak becomes my own. Let's be people who are compassionate for what is going on. The third thing that is being renewed day by day is the need to be truthful. We need to renew the truth in our lives. We truly do, especially in a time like this with an election coming up. We need to know what the truth is. We need to know what the foundation we are standing on is. Just like Ron said in the testimony before, we need to know what the truth is that we're standing on. Is it the Word or is it the world? What is it that you base your truth on? Let's know what the Word says. That we, when we have to speak the truth, it's not just coming from our opinions or our thoughts or our feelings. It's coming from what the Word of God says. Romans 12, 2, the very beginning says, Do not be conformed to this world. Another translation that says, don't copy the behavior and custom of this world. Another version again says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. There are a lot of things that are happening in this world. There are a lot of things that are happening in the media. There are a lot of things that ideas and opinions and thoughts and all this sort of stuff. But when it comes down to it, what is the truth that you set your life on? Let's renew ourselves every day by setting our lives on what the truth or the word says about us and for us and for the world. Amen. The fourth thing that needs to be renewed in us day by day is become more like Jesus is to be forgiving. Forgiving. On the cross, Jesus said to the people that had put Him up on a cross and had whipped Him, beaten Him, tortured Him, murdered Him. This is what He said about it. This is what He said about those people. Forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And forgiveness is not amnesia. Forgiveness isn't just forgetting what has happened in your past, but forgiveness is not allowing what the past, what happened in the past, to have a hold of your future. 
St. Augustine said this, resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. We need to, day by day, forgive those who have offended us. If there is a brother or a sister in your world, I'm talking about a brother or sister in Jesus Christ that has, that has offended you, done something against you, don't just hold it against them. It's just something that will grow and grow and grow within you until it becomes toxic and permeates through everything that you are. Take that step and give forgiveness, whatever it may be. Might be a few people that come up to me after the service and say, I forgive you. That's okay. It's fine. I accept that. I forgive you too. <laughs> but we need to forgive. We need to be people that forgive. But not just once, not just twice, but day by day. Day by day. We are renewing ourselves by forgiving time after time and time after time after time after time to become more like Him. The fifth thing, the last thing. Thank you, team. They're already up here. They're amazing. The fifth thing we need to do to become more like Jesus ourselves is to become generous. Generous like He was Himself. Jesus came to the world to give His life as a free sacrifice for each and every single one of us. He died on the cross so that we don't have to live with the burden of sin and shame, but so we can live completely forgiven. Our sin is gone. Our old nature has been taken off day by day to become more like Him. But it started with the Savior that was completely generous and gave all that He had so that you could be all that you can be. That's the most generous thing that has ever been done. And for us, we're called to live like He did. Even while He was on here, here on earth, it says in Acts 10.38, it says that Jesus Christ always went about doing good. Went about doing good. What is the story of your life? What is happening through you? Are people being blessed because of you? Are you adding to wherever you go or are you taking away? Are you revealing more of Jesus into the people around you? Or are you just making the view of Jesus to them more hazy? He healed the sick, befriended sinners, taught the gospel to everyone. To be like Him, we need to open our eyes and hearts to joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can comment, subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information, visit us at lifechurchpn.co.nz. Have a blessed week.